the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 970 presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information. From the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest in real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all of your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. Good morning. I'm Dottie Herman, and you're listening to Eye on Real Estate. Again, the only show on talk radio that is all about real estate and the millions of things that have to do with real estate. I'm here with our senior vice president of uh, Citizens Bank, Ace Barsupar. Morning, Ace. Good morning, Dottie. Good morning, Stephen. And Stephen Ebert, who is our special, he specializes in real estate law in both residential and commercial and is a partner at Casson and Casson, which have offices in Manhattan, Westchester, Dallas, and Phoenix. Sophia and I'm Dottie Herman, obviously specializing in real estate. So if you have any questions about anything legal, anything about finances, anything about real estate, uh, which is actually uh, probably one of the hottest markets I've seen since I've been in the business, um, by all means, call us at 866-970-9622. I first want to thank Citizens Bank for their support. They supported their customers and they support us. They provide integrated experiences that include mobile and online banking, a 24-7 customer center, and uh, anything you need from Citizens, just get them at citizensbank.com. Uh, today, obviously, we have our new contract reports from Element and uh, New York reported uh, a tremendous amount. I mean, it's unbelievable how many contracts we're doing. Um, Manhattan signed uh, contracts that increased year over year, and um, the gains are significantly larger than last month, and they keep on going up. Brooklyn, I think, is going to... Um, Maybe past even Manhattan one of these days. It's off the wall. Long Island obviously is increasing. Hamptons, I don't think you can get anything now. I had a customer who wanted a $600,000 property for one month and I couldn't find it for him. Um, so that's how busy they are. North Fork's very busy. Westchester, uh, contracts are steadily increasing. Fairfield, Greenwich, I mean, it's the whole Northeast. New Jersey. I mean, we just are off the wall. And from what I understand, the rest of the country is also. So that's all good news for real estate. Uh, I tell you that currently, uh, first-time buyers are scooping up. They're the, probably the biggest part of the Manhattan market. They're scooping up real estate at record pace. Uh, they are really coming out. 
and just buying. The number of sales that are closed in Manhattan rose about 2.5% over in year over year. And uh, the market is, let me just tell you this, it's back in New York City. Uh, it was always back in the areas around it, but it is definitely back in New York City. And you can ask any real estate broker, they're, they're running around crazy. But most real estate brokers all over are. And the reason that everyone's back in New York City is uh, the weather's nice, finally. Discounted prices, low mortgages, wider access to the vaccination, which obviously is key. And they're all factors uh, that are really helping the first-time buyers buy. 42% of the sales have been, in this year, in Manhattan, have been from first-time buyers. Okay, now that's the largest amount of first-time buyers ever in the last seven years to buy at once. I mean, the average percentage of first-time buyers is usually about 30% of the, the mix of our, our first-time buyers. And this year, it's 42%. That's almost half. Uh, again, all the factors that I just said, and also... Being cooped up, and this is for everyone, not just first-time buyers, but being cooped up and anxious for change. We've all been cooped up. We're all, like, ready to, like, scream, okay? Like, enough. We're ready. We want to, and we want change. And so we're anxious. And we've been in our house so long, so everybody wants to find change. And all of it's coming together. And it's making very, every pretty market active, you know, high end, low end, everything. Um, the median price for all co-ops and condos in Manhattan in March was uh, about even from a year ago. And uh, we look like we're going to go into the spring market like unbelievably. In saying that, I, I just thought that you know that we told you that we tried to give you a little bit uh, about not only that, but also um, commercial markets and residential markets. Um, but home prices have risen. Just before I go to something different, home prices have risen at their fastest pace in 15 years. And Goldman Sachs predicts that they'll surge another 7% this year. So if you haven't bought, <laughs> move it. Um, they think that they will, and they think that prices will rise about 6.8%. Now, this is a, you know, a rounded number, so it could go up a little more or down a little more. Uh, but the, we don't have a big supply. And so the low, the low levels of supply are driving prices up despite the recent rise in mortgage costs. Um, but most analysts predict that the, this rally is not coming to an end. So sitting on the sidelines and waiting and thinking, oh, this is, you know, just all pent up and it's going to stop. Everyone predicts that it has much further to go. And... Uh, they expect this to keep on moving, okay? At least till the end of the year, okay? And I don't think it's going to drop. I think it's going to just continue to go. And remember, we talked about, we'll talk a little about that today, the millennials. And a lot of them are our first-time buyers. And uh, that's, the biggest, that's the biggest group of buyers that are buying. Um, they're, they're in their 30s, maybe, 30 to about 40. And uh, they're having families. Uh, 
They're buying houses. And don't forget those single women. Um, everybody wants helping. It's not about, you know, when I first started this business, you were a married couple. You didn't buy. Single people never bought houses. And boy, have things changed. As New York continues, and by the way, I just want to caution everybody, you know, we're all anxious to get on with our lives, but don't be, don't, don't screw it up now. We've been so patient. We've been so, we've been so tough. We, we, we've handled this. We're almost there. So get your vaccines, make sure you do that and make sure that you don't do some stupid things and just say, oh, you know, a little too early, because hopefully if we do everything right and people get vaccinated, I'm hoping by the end of the summer, um, we'll be uh, maybe still wearing masks, but good to go. Okay. Um, as, as New York uh, continues to fight the pandemic, and I just want to give you some briefings because I want to ask you what you guys think is going to happen. Because on March 9th, as you know, we've gone over on the show, the governor signed um, the COVID-19 Emergency Protection Act of 2021, and he established that evictions and foreclosure, he put protections in so that small businesses couldn't get thrown out. Um, then, you know, he put a moratorium on commercial evictions and, uh, and, uh, and residential evictions. And that is supposed to, Steve, expire at the end of May? Correct. That that's supposed to expire. So we're coming very close to it. So and I want to I ask think, you guys that. That's what I want to ask you. I mean, what do you think? And we're coming close to. What do you think is going to happen when May thirty first comes? Well, I, I think the right move is to not extend the law further. I think we've gotten to a point where businesses are open up. While things, while we're not done, the reality is. People are getting back to work. People are out there. Closings have been happening for months. People have been moving. So I think the main reason and rationale for this law and exemption you know, has disappeared. I think there's a lot going on in Albany right now. And you know they, they need to free things up. You can't have really a logjam. And there's going to be some bigger also fiscal pressures if tenants think that they don't have to pay rent. Remember, New York City works on a fiscal year for their taxes of July 1 to June 30. You know, so if they want to have those property tax revenues being paid, they need to have tenants who pay. So they really need to open that up too. So what do you think is going to happen if people don't have money? I'm hearing that already. You know, look, they got to... They got to pay the bill. At some point, there's going to be a collections action against them. I mean, the reality is this. You had landlords, and, and as we've discussed in the show before, a lot of these landlords are mom-and-pop landlords. A lot of these landlords may only own one or two properties. And there are stories of landlords being foreclosed on and losing properties because their tenants are not paying the rent. And, you know, there, there's a time and a place for everything. And the tenants have enjoyed having this property, in some cases, not paying rent for a year. And the landlords have been stuck with bills for a year, potential damage to the property, maintaining it and having a responsibility to maintain it. They deserve to be paid. It's like going to a restaurant. You don't sit down for a full meal and at the end of the day say, oh, I forgot my wallet. You got to pay the bill. I know. Um, 
I just would wonder if, you know, because um, I hope I'm wrong, but I, I don't know that I'm going to be wrong, uh, but I hope I am. I just believe there's going to be people, some percentage of people, and I, I hope it's a low to small percent, but I just feel there's a lot of people that have, you know, put it off and have not really saved while they put it off. And if you can't pay your rent um, and it's May 31st, what would you suggest people do? Call the landlord and try to work something out? Well, they need to be in communication. I think that's number one. And for and, and what's happened is you've had some tenants who have taken advantage. And by the way, I don't want to paint too broadly. You've had some. You have some who have been in good communication with landlords. And, and the majority have paid their bills in the ordinary course. But I think we're, we're, I'm talking now about those select cases where people thought they can get away with a freebie. Well, you know, the landlords have the ability to, to go after them. And we've been saying this on the show. This is a temporary assistance. This is not a free pass. And people need to understand that. We've been very consistent on this show. And the time is slowly coming. And so, you know, for, for people who thought they could get this free pass, um, you know, a bill's coming. It is. So, therefore, if you uh, are, like I'm starting to hear, are uh, not able to, or you think you're not going to be able to pay your back rents, um, I think you should not wait till the last minute. You should try to some, seek some alternatives or I don't know what. I mean, you know, maybe I, I don't know the answer at the moment, but I just feel it in my bones. Um, I hope that I'm wrong. Um, but, you know, that, that could be a possibility. And if you are in that predicament, I would first call your landlord. I think we always advise you to call your landlord and say, I really want to pay this. I'm going to try to pay it. Here's what I'm going to do. Or maybe you can make some, some give some months ahead of time. Because what are they asking for you to give all the back? I mean, like, were they asking you to give all the back months? Like, if you have so to pay? So we're going to, so what happens is, so, so it depends how we come out of this, but let's just assume, which may not be true, but let's just assume for the moment that what happens is the administrative order is just, just expires and it goes back to what was the state of the law before COVID. If that's the case, the landlords can then bring their action and say, look, you haven't paid all this rent. Now, even though somebody can bring the action, that doesn't always make sense as a first way to start because maybe there's something to negotiate. The courts are gonna be backed up for a period of time. It's gonna take time to resolve and it may make sense sometimes to settle. But I think what should happen is right now, if you are a landlord or if you're a tenant and you haven't been paying currently, you should start planning now and start thinking now saying, what am I willing to accept? And what am I willing to give to try to have some resolute negotiated settlement and resolution of this background issue. Because remember, if you're a tenant and you ask the landlord to sort of forgive the rent, what are you giving them, right? You've enjoyed the property potentially for a year without paying rent. No landlord in their right mind would want to accept zero. At the same time, if you're a landlord, you're realizing, hey, look, there is an economic sunk cost. There is a cost to litigation. There's a cost to waiting for the court system. There's a cost of having a bad tenant in place. 
Uh, and, and now the rental market has picked up quite a bit. Sometimes you take less to cut your losses and, and you make more. And that's where both sides should be thinking now and starting the conversation because it's already April and May is around the corner. Thank you, Steve. That's just so true. I told you to give you a little update on commercials, which we haven't done recently. So I want to make sure we just give you a quick, uh, a quick little synopsis of uh, the office availability. You know, office space obviously hit the worst um, because nobody was in their office. And office availability in Manhattan is up 50% despite increased activity. So we've had more activity. People are starting to go back to the office, but it's a year after the coronavirus uh, struck and Manhattan's office market is still reeling with this century's highest availability rate and a sharp decline in rents. Um, and that's the first quarter uh, market report that we have. But an uptick in the rate of new leases signed in the first three months of, of 2021 is a glimpse. It's the first glimpse of a start of a recovery. And I'm noticing, I, you know, the city seems to be busier than it was like three or four weeks ago. I, I mean, I got I got stuck in traffic for the first time. Um, with not nearly enough demand to keep up with new space becoming available, availability increased 50%. And um, I guess the scale of the increase in supply that occurred over this period was really noteworthy to a point that you have to take a step back. This is the largest office space market in the United States. So um, I'm, I'm thinking um, that there's less demand for office space. I mean, and it's, I think that that's going to stay that way. I think this trend, people will come back to the office, but I'm not sure that they'll come back in the same way they did before the pandemic. And so the average asking rent has declined about 8% over uh, before the pandemic. Uh, and we saw the, we're starting to see the beginning stages of tenants re-engaging the markets, um, asking their employees to, some, to go back. And I, I think we're going to have to wait and see uh, what goes on. But I think they're looking at how they can re-examine, you know, redo that space. Uh, roughly only about 10% of Manhattan workers are currently back in the office. Um, that's a fact. Uh, even in the element offices, people are, you know, are working from home. Some people come into the office, but not nearly like there was. And I think until we really get our hands around this pandemic and we have herd immunity, I think we're going to still have the same, we're going to have a very low amount. And then once we have herd immunity, I think then people will come back but maybe not every single day. Um, Midtown was the biggest benefactor from the increase in lease volume with 75% of, of this quarter's new leases, most by financial service companies and insurance real estate companies. Uh, so, the, and there was some large leases done. Um, in the, the, in, so there were a few large leases. I have them there and I'll give them to you. Some new, and we have new tenants that moved into New York. Uh, Beam Sanctuary, which owns uh, Jim Beam and other liquor brands, Midtown South. And we're going to talk about this later. Obviously, uh, they legalized the marijuana, the cannabis. And uh, we feel that there's going to be a lot of spaces and retail spaces by that. I think we have space. I know we have uh, somebody on the phone, so stay on the phone. We'll be right with you, I think. 
Stephen, uh, Robert, New Jersey, he says the phone will take Tune in tonight as the Philadelphia Flyers head to Nassau Live Center to take on the New York Islanders. Coverage begins with the pregame show at 6.30, puck drop at 7. Catch all the action right here on AM 970, The Answer. Hi, I'm Valerie Smaldone, host of Bagels and Broadway, Sunday at 2. On this week's show, playwright and author David Parr talks about Creativity Will Save Us, a special initiative he's part of. Also, if you love pancakes, you must listen to my conversation with maple sugar farmer and farm-to-table entrepreneur Sharon Collins, author of Pancakes Make People Happy. And a singer and artist, Vivienne Boucherat, talks about her book filled with her special images, all on Bagels and Broadway, Sunday at 2. This is Dennis Prager, along with my fellow host, Mike Gallagher. We both want to invite you to join us for a trip of a lifetime to the Holy Land this October 27th to November 5th. I've been all over the world, but I can never get enough of the great state of Israel. You will be amazed and inspired in your faith. Dennis and I have planned every detail, minute by minute, of this trip to make sure you have the best experience possible. We're confident by October our trip will be safe, especially because Israel is the leading country in the world in COVID vaccinations. Join us as we sail on the Sea of Galilee in boats that are replicas of the ones Jesus sailed in with his disciples. Walk the steps of the old city of Jerusalem and join us for a Shabbat service that will reenact the old traditions. It's something you'll never forget. Go to StandWithIsraelTour.com to reserve your spot or call 855-565-5519. That's StandWithIsraelTour.com. Aren't you ready to travel again? We are. So come join us. Your business is ready for a reboot, a recharge. The way our companies operate has changed. Adapting to the changes hasn't been easy, but never more important to succeed. Many of the digital resources available have helped overcome obstacles your business is facing. But are you using the full potential of every one of them? That's where Salem Surround can help. Your business needs to use digital tools more than ever to stay in touch with customers, making buying decisions right now and for the future. Will they consider or even know about you? The marketing team at Salem Surround gives you the tools needed to stand out and be visible to current and potential customers online right now looking for what you do. We'll design a plan that targets and surrounds customers with proven marketing strategies. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your marketing plan and see how we can help place your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundnewyork.com. Surroundnewyork.com. Connecting you with new customers. Want more AM970 The Answer? Take us on the go with our Listen Live feature at am970theanswer.com or download our AM970 The Answer app today. Just go to the iPhone App Store or Google Play Store and search AM970 The Answer. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or radio.com. Hi, Kevin McCullough. You've heard me rave about the MyPillow line of products. Literally everything in their life uh, has so enhanced my sleep experience. We've got the bed topper. We've got the uh, the pillows, of course. We've got the, the Giza Dream Sheets. And now they're even making slippers. Uh, you, you just cannot believe all of the good things that they've done and made. And now they are ready uh, to help you get the best night of sleep you've ever gotten. You can still get a standard or a queen premium at MyPillow for only twenty nine ninety eight. They're regular. 
regularly $69.98. That's a $40 savings. Kings are only $5 more. And you know these pillows don't go flat. You can wash them, dry them as many times as you need. They maintain their shape. You've got the 10-year warranty. You've got the 60-day money back, no questions asked guarantee. Come on. Get your my pillow. Get your sheets. Get your bed topper. Get the things that are going to make your night's sleep the best you've ever experienced. And when you do, uh, you can get them for even greater prices when you use the promo code. You're going to find amazing offers, deep discounts on all the MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream Sheets, the MyPillow Mattress Topper, and the MyPillow Towel Sets as well. So call 800-651-0798, 800-651-0798, and use that promo code AM970. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. We're talking about real estate, a little about residential and how it's booming all over the country, including Manhattan, um, and that most of it is just uh, 43% of the market are first-time buyers, which is great to see because I'm very happy because in some ways I think it's going to bring back a younger, more even vibrant New York City. I mean, not, not you know, things were slowing down before the pandemic as it was and uh, prices were just too high and so many young people were really locked out of the city and forced to uh, purchase out or rent outside the city. And now you're seeing that all come back. And I think a nice mix of ages is, and, and is just really good. So I think we're going to see a and maybe it'll come back a little edgier, which I uh, miss a little bit. Um, before we go further, I want to take a question from Robert in North Jersey. Hi, Robert. Good morning. Thanks for calling my own real estate. Good morning. Can we hear? Good morning. Good morning. Can, can you yes, hear can us? Can you hear me? Good. Well, good. Yes, I do. Yes, very well. Thank you. So what's a, your question? I have a question. I, have, I own a, uh, a small portfolio of investment properties that I've been... Uh, uh, put together over and managed over the past 30 years. And um, every time I look and think about selling, because I'm getting up there in age, I'm now uh, in my early 60s, and um, I'm trying to look at my options. Do I uh, do I sell? Do I convert to a uh, 1031 and, and invest the proceeds? Do I do a, uh, an aggressive cash out? Um, do I do some partial redevelopment on, on other properties? Um, and everywhere I look, I can't find any um, advice or uh, other investors that are, you know, big investors, one thing, but, you know, small investors, you know, my portfolio might be worth, uh, you know, around seven, uh, seven and a half million uh, or so. Um, you know, people in my niche, uh, I don't find much advice. So I was wondering if you guys could steer me in a direction of, what to do either selling as a bulk or sure. uh, and I think yeah. we might all have different opinions because you have every option available. So I'll let Steven and Ace give it a stab and then I'll tell you what I think. That's a really interesting question because I'm sure there's people in the same boat. What do you do if you're at a point where you're of a certain age and not that you're old because you're not? Um, <laughs> you know, and you have a portfolio that is and that's going to be sizable to a lot of people. What do you do with it? Stephen, you want to give it a stab? Sure. I, I think there are multiple options for you to go. Um, let me pick off a couple of things that you mentioned. Number one, if you do a 1031, for those of our listeners who are not familiar with it, 
That's a section of the tax code that allows for a deferral of any capital gains tax if you sell and then purchase. So obviously, it depends on what you're trying to do. If you're trying to reposition the portfolio, maybe shrink the number of properties into maybe one bigger one to manage differently. Um, if you're trying to also to monetize, this is where also, you know, possibly you keep the portfolio. You can do certain cash out refinances if you're trying to access capital. Um, it really depends on a whole lot of issues, you know, what you're looking to do, you know, both how actively do you want to manage this, how much liquidity you need, if you're looking to grow the portfolio, keep it steady. Um, I don't, you know, some of the properties, I don't know what you have. Um, when you mentioned redevelopment, you have to take a look at to see, okay, you, you purchased a property at a certain period of time, and maybe the area in which you bought in has changed, and there's an opportunity there um, to expand. Um, you know, these are the conversations we have with a lot of clients. Uh, you know, happy to also have the conversation offline uh, as well, if that's helpful to go into more depth. But that's sort of some of the first key top-level things to think about. And, and just want to put out there for you and also all the other listeners there, the, just because it's quote-unquote only a certain dollar amount, there's plenty of options and there's plenty of opportunities. You know, it really boils down to how active you want to be what you're looking to contribute and, and um, where you want to go with it. Yeah, Rob, okay. my advice for you is, uh, first of all, take a step back. And again, um, I would first be interested in finding what my portfolio was worth at this point in time, because I, how many years ago did you buy it? Well, I've been putting it together and managing it for, for over 30 years. Um, okay, so, so obviously- uh, I, 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 Yeah, I spent all up. the time uh, trying to um, you know, uh, keep on improving the portfolio. So I keep uh, increasing the rents and, and reducing my maintenance uh, and, and attracting uh, you know, quality tenants all the time. Uh, sometimes that works out fine. Sometimes it doesn't work out. But, the, um, but I'm at the point that um, I'm, I'm torn between do I, do I sell, do I cash out, do I, uh, do I, do I redevelop you know, part of it? One part of the redevelopment is a, is a larger piece of land Got and it. it's now in an enterprise zone. So, uh, you know, so like there are yeah, I don't, that's there's just sounds... too many options maybe. <laughs> so, so Rob, hey, so, uh, yeah, definitely. <clears throat> So, so, Rob, good news is, um, you know, here at the bank, at Citizens Bank, I have a lot of buyers that are looking to buy um, sort of this, the same asset class that you have, right, Rob? So I have a couple of questions. Um, mm -hmm. Your locations, are they, what location are your properties? Are they in New York? Are they upstate New York? Um, can you tell me a little yeah, bit of uh, the proximity? It's, uh, uh, it's uh, New York, Staten Island, New York, and, uh, and uh, northern New Jersey. And the, and the properties are okay. um, uh, mixed use um, uh, from two families to uh, small mixed use. Um, so. Okay. And do they need to fix up your property once they purchase it? Um, uh, no, they could be, uh, they could open the key and start running it. Like for example, I'm calling you now from a, from one of my four unit buildings where, uh, a uh, a tenant uh, stopped paying rent and ran out and uh, didn't take care of the unit. And I'm here uh, now on my Saturday, um, you know, all week here uh, okay. renovating the unit so, so I can fix it up. So you know, it. there's always those kind of uh, uh, projects, but 
for the most part, my uh, portfolio so is uh, yep. it, it's performing and and can be serviced can service debt or or a buyer can step in and then you know either I'm going to uh, keep it or and and keep going at the pace I'm going or no problem uh, you know that kind of thing. I, I don't know if that answers your question. Yep. So, so Rob, so yeah, that, that does. So Rob, similar to what Steven and Dottie mentioned, we really need to see what your portfolio is worth. Um, so if mm-hmm. you can send me a sort of um, income sheet with the expenses, then what we can do is we can now set a value on the whole portfolio. And what I can do is I can send it out to our potential buyers that inquire about these type of um, properties and, and, and uh, portfolios, right? Because we have so many walks of life coming through Citizens Bank, uh, where we have mm-hmm. investors that are looking for portfolios like yourself. Um, but what we have to do is figure out what is the true value? What is the rent roll that you're getting minus all expenses? And then we can put a price on it and, we'll, and, and, and I'll send it out to my network. So just leave your name and number with the producers and I'll call you first thing Monday morning, okay? Yeah, but Robert, no matter what, because that doesn't mean you have to sell. And I think Correct. that is exactly. absolutely exactly. right. I think that, but I, as I said in the beginning, before I would do anything, because you have, a, you know, the good news is you have a lot of different options and the best place to be in is where you have choices and you have a lot of choices. But you need to start as first, find out what it's worth. Once you find out what it's worth and you know there's an amount, then you've got to step back and say, do I want to sell this? Or do I um, do I want to still really be involved maybe? Because what will I do if I'm not involved? Do I want to sell this and do some other kind of project? So, But you really have to start off first, I think, knowing what that's really worth. Yeah. And then from there, take a step back. You don't have to make any immediate decisions, um, but there is a market. Believe it. Believe me for your um, assets. I'm sure. And um, once you find out what it's worth, then you might say, you know, at this point in my life, maybe I want to sell all of it. Maybe I want to sell some of it. Um, maybe I want to uh, have a little time to enjoy a life, and maybe I want to still work a little bit. So. That's what I would do. I would leave my number with Ace, just get a value that doesn't force you and no one's asking you to sell it. But correct, correct. That's great advice, Don. Yeah. Okay, that's what I would do. Just leave that information and first find that information. Ace will get you a value for that. So you know exactly what it's worth. How's that sound? I hope that sounds well because we're ready for a commercial break. Uh, but believe me, real estate is hot, and no matter what you have, there's only somebody that wants to buy it. Everything is a matter of how much. Okay? Everything's for sale at a number. I always say that. There's always a number. Okay? And I'm not saying quote, but Robert took it 30 years ago, so obviously he made a very good decision. 30 years ago, it's got to have gone up a lot. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal, and now I agree. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor for Pete and Seth selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. That's correct. Each of the four ingredients deal with inflammation on a different metabolic pathway. 
That right there. Approaching your pain from four different angles may very well be why so many Americans find such wonderful pain relief. If you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or even just getting older, you must order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only nineteen ninety-five to see if it will work for you too. I think it could. Give your body what it needs to heal itself. Go to relieffactor.com. Call 800-500-8384. Relieffactor.com. Want to listen to AM 970 The Answer on the go? There's an app for that. Download our free smartphone app so you can listen to all your favorite shows, keep up with us on social media, enter contests, win prizes, and even interact with our hosts all in one place. Just search AM 970 The Answer in the iPhone App Store or the Google Play Store for the Android. Again, search AM 970 The Answer and download our smartphone app today. That way, you can take us wherever you go. Are you tired of exposing your retirement to stock market risk? How would you like to participate in stock market gains but never stock market losses? Join us for the Safe Money Radio Show, Saturday afternoon at 3. You can also call now for your complimentary customized Safe Money Information Kit and 115-page Safe Money Book at 844-751-SAFE. That's 844-751-SAFE. 844-751-7233. The Safe Money Radio Show, Sunday afternoon at 3 on AM 970. The Answer. If you're a homeowner, then you know your home is your biggest investment. And now so many homes have had to become your office as well. Hey, let's decide that this year is the last time you'll ever have to paint your house again. Talk to my friend Susan, please, at Rhino Shield to find out about this unique process. Rhino Shield is a coating. It looks like paint, but it seals and waterproofs your house or building and bonds completely to wood, brick, stucco, aluminum, vinyl, or block. Rhino Shield comes in any color you want and has insulating and soundproofing qualities and is guaranteed to never crack, chip, peel, or mold for 25 years. One person will visit your home, walk the outside, take the measurements, and you'll be emailed an estimate. Right now, Susan is offering no payments, no interest financing for one year. Call for a free estimate today, 877-744-6608. That's 877-744-6608. Rhino Shield. It's not paint. Listen to AM 970, The Answer, on Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, or Radio.com. Chances are, your home financing questions won't end when this show does. So the next time you have a question about home loans, ask the lending experts at Citizens Bank. They can help you every step of the way during the home buying process, starting with getting a pre-approval before you start shopping for a new home. Call 212-857-6668, 212-857-6668, and ask a citizen. Mortgages are offered and originated by Citizens Bank N.A., NMLS number 433960, Equal Housing Lender. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. Hi, we're back and um, I have uh, a little fun. I wanted to talk about a house that we never talk about, uh, but we should because it's a house and we talk about real estate and that's about the real estate and the White House. But before I do that, I want to take a quick question from, um, do I have a question from Mary? No, Lisa. Lisa, is there a Lisa on the line? Hello? Hello? Yes, Lisa. Hi, this hi, is my, Hi, 
Yes. Good morning, Dottie. I love your show. I, I listen thank to your show you, every Lisa. Saturday. I'm so glad you call. Oh, my God. Um, I just have to ask you a oh, question. My mom detransferred a home to me 10 years ago. Um, it's in the Pelham Bay section of the Bronx. And um, she paid about 40000 for it. My parents did. It, since it was detransferred to me 10 years ago, the house was now appraised at $610,000. Uh, my question is, what is, the cap- what is the capital gains tax rate? And if I sold it now, would I have to buy another house to avoid the capital gains tax on that same amount of money? What, would, what is the difference, and how would I go about that? Not to get charged capital gains tax. Well, Stephen, you want to tackle that? Sure, a- absolutely. Um, first off, uh, thanks for calling in. A uh, couple of questions that we have on the property: Have you been using it as your primary residence, or have you been no? It's vacant. Property? It's vacant for a year. It's been vacant. For but what, and what? Do you, but what have you have you used the property since you got the property? Um, I my mom lives there. She now has a little Alzheimer's, so she's living with me. I have my own home. Um, the house that's detransferred to me is just, I just paid the taxes on it, and I've just been cleaning it up. I did have it appraised. It was appraised for $610,000. So her mother did it so when okay. she was still living there. So, my mom's okay, living so with me. No one's where, living there. Yeah. Um, it's cr- okay, so, what, so to answer the question properly, this is where, I don't know if you have an accountant, you should definitely have one. Um, it, depending upon how you've been treating the property um, on the tax return, right? Depending upon what category you're in, if mm-hmm. it's a primary, a second home, or an investment property, you're mm-hmm. subject to completely different rules when it comes mm-hmm. to the capital gains tax, and that's really mm-hmm. important. And if you haven't been working with someone, I highly recommend that you work with someone before you even put it on the market so you can have a sense and see where you'd fall in that that's the first point i'd like to make um the second point is um depending if if guess so listeners know if it's your primary residence there and if it's been so for two out of the last five years subject to some other technical rules the first quarter million if you're single or half a million if you're married is exempt from capital gains tax but that's if it's your primary which it doesn't sound like that is um there's really no tax shelter on a second home, but an investment property, if, and we talked about with the prior caller for just a little bit, if you sell and you reinvest in what we call a 1031, you can defer any capital gains tax if you do it right. So there's a few options that are out there, and this is where time is a critical ally. Even if you haven't been necessarily prepping yourself, it's a good opportunity now to sort of position the property in a way to save yourself on taxes. Now, when it comes to taxes, it varies on a little bit. Um, it's, you're probably going to fall on the federal level at around either 15, um, possibly 20% on the gain. Okay, that's, that would be the federal um, capital gains tax currently. Also, keep in mind, New York State does have tax as well. So if I had to make some guesses, and again, I'm guessing here, you're talking about a combined tax rate on your gain in the 20s, depending upon where you fall in between yeah. state, um, New York State and federal. But you got to keep in mind, there's a whole bunch of options that is on the profit. 
and you get into also what's called your tax basis. And that's really where you acquire the property for. And so I, I do want to give one warning to listeners in general. I don't know all the details of how you handle the transfer from your mother to yourself, but this is a good warning. A lot of times people transfer ownership of a property within the family. They don't consult with a lawyer and accountant before they do the transfer. <laughs> and now you're sort of stuck with a set of facts, which may not have been the best approach. Um, okay, this I, is I a lawyer. you want to go into the, your personal details right. on the radio? Right. But right. you definitely want to, before you ever do a transfer over, make sure you've discussed the paths that are out there because you want to be smart about and have the, the smartest tax situation because it's really a whole um, big conversation. But I think it's a really good time that you've called in because also there's a lot of talk in Washington about changing tax rates and so forth. Yes. So now's a great time to have this conversation. Right. Can I ask you one separate question? I have a home um, that's an 1893 old sure. Victorian, and it's in the Bronx also in Pelham Bay, and I have a separate um, land. Um, it's on 50 by 100 lot. Now, it's 2,500 separate. Can, can that be built upon? Like, What's the deal with the building codes in New York City? If you, like, I have 50 by 100, which well, is my house is so all on one side. you have one lot, and then you have a separate lot? Yeah, it's attached. A, are they completely it's, disconnected? No. Uh, well, on well, the zoning. It has two property lots. Like, you know what I mean? It's um, it's it's well, 50 by 100, so I guess it really well, is not detached. But people, you know, I have I park like eight Lisa, cars, and I have, it really, it's big. Yeah, but Lisa, what, it really depends. You What you need to do is get your section lot and block. You need to uh -huh. look up the zoning of where that right. is and see if, it's, if you're allowed to build a one-family mm -hmm. home on it. Right, okay, it's residential, because, but they're know, building everywhere. It's a separate lot. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I'm, and I'm probably, um, you know, I don't know what the, your your lot says, but if you have two separate lots that they sold you, that doesn't necessarily mean that that second lot you can build on, but you might be mm -hmm. able to build on it. So that's the first question you have to find out, and that you just need to get the sec, sec, section lot and block and look it up, and you'll find out whether it's a buildable lot or not. I see. And if it's a buildable lot, by all means, then you can you can do you can either do it yourself or you can sell that and have somebody mm -hmm. build on it. Right. Well, I thank yeah, you and, very and much. Yeah, and that is one hundred percent right. Just because here something and, and again, just because something is a distinct tax lot doesn't mean it's buildable. And look, mm -hmm. this is where sometimes, and this is a much deeper question, and you need to have more time to actually analyze it. That's why sometimes people do what's called a lot merger when they realize that they have a lot where maybe there's not enough of a lot to build something that makes economic sense. They tack that on to either your property or they sell it right. to a neighboring property, and that right. allows that property to do more. Again, I'm just throwing out ideas here because yes. to really give a proper answer, someone actually has to look it up, really be familiar with it, see what's going on, and do a bunch of calculations. And then also then have then go back to you and then bring in someone who knows the neighborhood to say, what is, even if you can build a something there, does it make economic sense? And does it fit within the character of the neighborhood that you could actually get a return on your investment for building a property? So that's right. really the analysis you have to go through. Okay. I thank but you Lisa, both. The and good news is you are in a, the good news is you're in a really good position. Again, like yeah. I said, you have a lot of different choices, but you mm -hmm. need to do your homework now. Before well, you make any moves, you really need to do your homework. You.
Yes, and I thank you. And, Daddy, I want to let you know, yeah. my mom is in May 10th, 1927. She's 93. She loves you. We listen to you every Saturday morning. But she also has celiac oh, disease. Well, yeah, so. I have to remind her on my birthday to, to wish her a happy birthday because that's my birthday. And I uh, actually was born on Mother's Day. So that's pretty uh, interesting. And tell her it's a great sign. She's a tourist like me. That's a great sign. Wish her well. And call us and let us know how you make out. We'd love to hear about Now, do I have everyone's? Did I lose anybody or no? We're here, Dottie. I, I think okay. the I think so she. Uh, I, have, I think she. Yeah, I, I have a few minutes left, and I wanted to talk about the most famous house just for a little fun, and that was the White House. And I want to give you some things that you probably didn't know about the White House, but it you should know because it's the most famous house. And the White House really had a rough start. The White House was, uh, had a very tumultuous beginning, and it took nine years to build the first version of the world's most famous residence. Uh, George Washington, by the way, he chose the location in 1791, and John Adams was the first president to move into the home in the 1800s. However, the home was partially destroyed in the War of 1812 and wasn't livable again until 1817 during the Monroe administration. You'd be interested to find out that an immigrant designed the White House. The second and current version of the White House was designed by James Hoban, who was an Irish immigrant. And it's rumored that Hoban won the opportunity to redesign the residence through a newspaper contest. Can you imagine? He won a newspaper contest. Hoban used the Irish Parliament's uh, Leinster House as an inspiration, and the residence was rebuilt by a crew of Irish and Scottish immigrants alongside free and enslaved Black Americans. Uh, so that was that. Um, also, I'm just trying to turn because it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. The history. You know, Dad, if I can say what, one thing on, on that in the original build, there was a phenomenal series about John Adams with uh, Paul Giamatti played John Adams. Terrific series. And there's a wonderful scene about building the White House and exactly what you're yeah. talking about when it's he really pulls up. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. And uh, Philadelphia's failed as an alternative White House. In the early days of the U.S., legislators argued over the location of the newly formed nation's capital. Washington favored what would become Washington, D.C., but others pointed to Philadelphia as an established uh, part of the American government. Uh, the city even built its own version of the White House in Philadelphia to change Washington's mind, but he refused to stay there. That was that. Um, the White House was originally called the President's House and the Executive Mansion, but it doesn't have the same ring. So uh, a line-based whitewash on the stone exterior, that's when they whitewash the house it inspired journalists to begin calling the residence the name we use today, the White House. But it wasn't until 1901 that it was officially changed to be called the White House. Um, if you've ever taken a tour of the White House, which a lot of us have, then you have Thomas Jefferson to thank. Jefferson started the tradition of public tours during peacetime. Uh, for more than a century, the White House was the nation's largest residence with six floors 132 rooms and 35 bathrooms. 
the residence also has 412 doors, 147 windows, 28 fireplaces, eight staircases, and three elevators. Um, the White House's ground floor includes a big kitchen, a pantry, a secret service offices, private doctors, examination room, areas for gardeners, carpenters, and staff members. And the first floor is dedicated to entertaining, and the second floor includes the family rooms alongside the offices. Meanwhile, the first uh, the third floor is completely dedicated to the first family with bedrooms and entertainment spaces. The fifth and sixth floors actually on the bottom are composed of two-story basements. So I guess they have to make the decision to work at home like we all do or not to work at home. And that's the question. So the West Wing wasn't always attached to the White House, which I didn't realize. Teddy Roosevelt built the wing to keep the White House's business and residential functions separate from the house. He had six kids, and I guess he wanted to be a little bit away from them. So uh, he built a separate house. And then William Taft came along and connected the two spaces. So that's how they became together. Um, despite the millions of rumors, officials maintain there are no secret rooms in the White House. Um, but would they tell us if there were? So I don't know if that's true. There's, that's a secret. Um, and then, of course, the White House became wheelchair accessible thanks to FDR because uh, the president frequently relied on a wheelchair due to his complications from polio. So that's so it didn't become wheelchair accessible till uh, FDR. It takes a lot to keep the White House white. It takes requires 570 gallons of paint. Imagine the maintenance on this house to keep the residents pristine. 570 gallons. Um, the, origin, the origin of the American's most famous desk. The famous uh, desk was, present from Queen, was a present from Queen Victoria to, uh, and, and then she gave it to them. And then Jimmy Carter brought a desk back to the Oval Office where it's been ever since. So it has, a really great history, um, and I'm trying to, trying to figure out that currently the vice president concluded they have a he has a concluded vote, and guess what it's for? I'm going to give you that right after the quick because there's a right after the little investment for every. There's an investment for. What do you think the White House is for? It's fun to imagine that. Will after the uh, And we're going to talk about financing and refinancing your house with a your I on Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A.